Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 to 15. You can read along in your Bible, up on the screen, or just listen for God's word to you today. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tested by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Good morning once again. It's great to see you all today on this President's Day weekend holiday. And I want to say hi to those watching online or listening to this sermon podcast later in the week. I know a lot of families of the church are on, uh, their kids are off school, so they're either here or away. It's nice to see you all who are here in person. I have a question for you. Turn to somebody next to you and answer this question. Who was your favorite U.S. president? Who's your favorite U.S. president? Who do you admire? Who do you think was great? Just turn to somebody next to you or near you. See what you say. See what you say. All right, come on back. Admit it. How many of you said Abraham Lincoln? How many of you said George Washington? Okay. According to, according to polls, Abraham Lincoln is consistently number one, and George Washington is number two, a close second. And we're not going to go any further than that. Okay. You're welcome. Today is the first Sunday in the season of Lent, and our scripture for today is perfect for this time of year. It's all about how John the Baptist was out in the wilderness, and he was calling people to come and be baptized by him in the Jordan River. John was leading kind of a spiritual renewal movement in which people who were living in Jerusalem and all those little Judean towns were called to leave the regular things of life, all their patterns, all their stuff, and come out to experience something of God, a spiritual moment. And Jesus, he hears what's going on, and he comes down from Galilee, which is in the north, to be baptized by John as well. And one of the things to notice about Jesus and all the others who were being baptized in those days, those who came out from the city and wherever they were, is that they put themselves in a position to encounter God. They put themselves in a position to encounter God. The first thing I want to tell you today about Lent, this season, this 40-day season that leads us toward Easter, is that it is a time when we can put ourselves in position to encounter the living and loving God again. Somebody will say, well, pastor, just because you sit in a garage doesn't make you a car. You know, just because you're sitting in church doesn't make you a Christian. So what does it mean to put ourselves in position to encounter the living and loving God, to get to know God a little bit more in our lives? 
In Lent, one of the practices of our faith tradition is for people to give something up or take something on as a way of trying to become more aware of Christ in their lives. I wonder if you are somebody who gives something up for Lent or takes something on in Lent. For me, this year, I'll share my own thing. I'm giving up gluttony. That's true. Gluttony, I'm telling you, it's usually defined as an excess of eating or drinking, but I'm taking a larger view of that old word, one of the seven deadly sins, gluttony. has to do with overconsuming, overindulging, or just wanting too much stuff, even good stuff. For me, I want to pay attention to when I might be tempted to overdo it, to eat an extra snack at night or have a drink that I don't need or to overdo it on exercise, which I love to do, and I know some of you love as well, or my shopping habits. Do I need to buy that thing? There's a gluttony of seeking or getting or wanting, whatever it is, without asking some key questions. <coughs> like, why do I want that so much? Or what's behind it? Where's that hunger coming from? Is, it, is too much of a good thing still a good thing, or does it kind of become bad? Maybe it's not that good for me physically or emotionally or spiritually. And so I want to notice those things in this season, to name them, to see if I can turn away from them in some way and, and turn back to God, those instincts that might be natural, and instead to say, where is that coming from? Why do I have it? What's it about? And so far I'm struggling because I'm only three or four days in and I notice already that my nighttime routine of eating a bowl of cereal is so strong. The power of the bowl of cereal is strong within me. Even if I'm not hungry, do you ever have that thing? You don't know why you're doing it. So that's just one example. That's just my own little thing. But it's a way that I'm desiring to get closer to God this Lent. And I wonder for you how you might put yourself in a position to become more aware of yourself, who you are, and more aware of the God who comes near to you. I have a friend who likes to quote this mantra. It's attributed to uh, Wayne Gretzky, the, the soccer, or the hockey player, sorry. Um, he says this, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Have you heard that before? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So this Lent, shoot your shot. Is there something that you're thinking of that might bring you closer to God, the one who is near to you, and what would it be? Do you have an inkling of where God might be present or working? Do you, do you have a suspicion where God might be hiding in your life, and would you go there? In the church that I used to work in, we used to play hide-and-go-seek with the youth, and that was a lot of fun. And it was a really small church building. So most of the rooms and areas of the church were really like kind of, there wasn't a lot of places to hide. It was just kind of like really simple rooms. So whoever was searching would just kind of stroll through those rooms. They wouldn't pay much attention. But then they would go down into the basement, which was this giant finished basement of a church on the East Coast, and it had that kind of smell. You know that kind of church basement smell? And there were tons of cabinets and crawl spaces and nooks and crannies, and there are all kinds of good places to hide down there. So whoever was searching and seeking in the hide-and-seek game would just go down to that room, and that's the place where they would spend their time. They would go where they suspected everyone was hiding. So what's your guess? What's your instinct? Where do you think God might be present yet hidden to you? 
Where's God near to you, but not yet noticed? In Jesus in this story with John, he doesn't stay up in Galilee where he lives. He doesn't go to Jerusalem where the temple is. He goes where he believes the Spirit of God is at work. So how can you find and seek and find God's Spirit this Lent? Maybe it is by giving something up or taking something on the way that uh, people traditionally do it. Maybe it is going on the men's retreat and getting that time away. Maybe it's making plans this Holy Week to make it holy, set apart in a special way. But maybe it's further out in the world, you know, taking a walk in the woods with your heart and mind open to God's beauty and wonder. Do you have time for that? Would you take time for that? Or visit to the seashore, go over 17 to Santa Cruz, watch the waves as they break, and pray as you go. Or maybe it would be in your own home, in a quiet hour or half hour or 15 minutes or 7.5 minutes or 3 point, I can't do math, and where you want to open your Bible or write out your prayer list or just give thanks to God for all that is good within your life. How can you come close to God, the God who is coming near to you right now? Back in the story of, um, from Mark's gospel, where it says that John was out in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and all kinds of people were coming to him, people from the Judean countryside, people from Jerusalem, and even Jesus himself. But we, we, we believe in a Jesus who lived a life without sin, so why should he go to this baptism for repentance if he has no sin to confess or repent? If he wasn't seeking forgiveness, what was Jesus doing out there? Well, maybe each of us has our own life with God. Maybe each of us has our own distinctive calling. And Jesus' relationship with God was different than other people's. Different from a Jerusalem shopkeeper, different from a Judean peasant. Maybe his life with God is what was important in that moment, showing up where God's Spirit was working. You know, if you look up and down the pew and down the back, each one of us has a distinctive and different life of faith in God. Each of us. We're unified all together, and we're also unique, fearfully and wonderfully made. <clears throat> So when we think about Lent we want, and the ways that we might be open to or alive in Christ, I want to remind you to make it your thing and don't make your thing everyone else's thing. Do you know what I mean? Don't take your practice distinct, special, important to you and make sure that every single member of the choir does it too or else. Let's not make everyone else's thing have to be our thing where we fit into a box or wear clothes that don't fit for us. God calls each of us by name, knows us inside and out, and so God has a way that we're meant to relate, that we're meant to draw close, that we're meant to hear the good news for our lives. It's my prayer for you, is that you would hear that zesty, true, distinctive call to you. I recently read a book um, about the Camino de Santiago pilgrim trail uh, in Spain, and the book is called Walking with Sam. I'll show it to you. It was written by Andrew McCarthy, who a lot of you may remember from the 80s, 1980s teen movies. Remember him? What was the movie he was in? Um, Pretty in Pink. That's him. He's, he's grown up now. Um, 
And so in a few months uh, in May, Steve Fainer, who's our youth director, and I are taking a group of college students from our church, and we're walking the pilgrim trail of the Camino de Santiago in Spain, just like this guy and his son. And I mentioned to somebody that I ran into this week that Steve and I were going to do this, and he said this, quote, that's a very Steve Fainer thing to do. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yes, it is. That's a very true expression of Steve Fainer, our youth director. It's exactly what he would do, walking out in nature, being with young people, talking about Jesus along the way. That is his, where is he right now? Driving to Mexico, being with young people, talking about Jesus along the way. So what's your true expression? What fits for how God has put you together? That's the more interesting question this Lent than what Steve is doing or what um, teen idol Andrew McCarthy is doing. You could try something out, you can try something on, but don't try to be somebody else. In this book I was reading about him and his son, it's, it, he's the father and his son is like 19 years old. And sometimes as they're walking along, they would meet other pilgrims also taking this Camino de Santiago <laughs> journey. And some of them, were, they, they felt, were doing it wrong. These other pilgrims were doing it wrong. You know, one of the guys they met used to, would, take a, would take a taxi cab between each town. And every day they'd see him. He'd say, I'm, I'm here. I made it. Others would stay in big fancy hotels while they were staying in the, in the pilgrim hostels. Others would ride their bikes instead of walking. And they would zoom by them on the trail. And whenever the dad would complain to the son, he, was, he would say, oh, those guys, they're not doing it right. The son would say this, walk your own Camino, bro. And I like that saying. There's something, I'm going to put it on a t-shirt. Walk your own Camino, bro, which is a way of saying, don't worry so much about the way someone else is pursuing their life with God or how they're trying to be close to God. Walk your own Camino, bro. Follow the way that God is asking you to do while giving some grace to those around you. The story of Jesus' baptism shows up in all four of the gospel stories, and each one is a little bit different. Here in Mark's gospel, the one we're focusing on today, we notice that during Jesus' baptism, as the, as the text tells it to us, when the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and the voice comes from heaven, it's Jesus himself who hears it and sees it. God says, you are my son, the beloved. In you, I am well pleased. It is not clear in this version of the story that anybody else heard it or saw it. But Jesus did. And this is part of what strengthened him and gave him direction for the next part of his life. He was about to go into the wilderness for 40 days, but he, he did so knowing that God knew him and loved him and was pleased with him. He went into his ministry knowing that God would be with him as he did it. So what I'm saying in this kind of Lenten season for us is nobody else may see or know what God is saying to you or doing in your life. Nobody else may necessarily know the way that you are put together. And that's okay. Maybe it's God's word to you in a particular way which sounds something like, walk your own Camino, bro. You have a distinctive way through this life. And God is with you on your journey. Someone will give something up. Something, someone will take something on. Someone will try something out. 
but I'm not that concerned about what someone else will be doing. What I want to know is what, is what God is saying to you, how God is leading you. And that's the question for reflection. Lent is a 40-day period, and we know that is a biblical number, very important. In the Bible, it's a significant period of time, 40 days, where God is up to something. Every time we see 40 in the Bible, we've got to pay attention. We remember Moses went up to Mount Sinai for 40 days when he got the Ten Commandments. Or how Elijah fasted for 40 days when he went into the wilderness. Or how Goliath, the giant, taunted the Israelite people for 40 days before David, the shepherd boy, showed up and kicked his butt. Nice. Jonah, Jonah gave, gave the people of Nineveh 40 days to repent and turn from their wicked ways. And they did. And here we have Jesus going 40 days into the wilderness, being tempted by Satan, being among the wild beasts, whatever that means. In other gospel accounts, we hear more about what happened. So we might think, ah, all these things that happened. Those are the other Bible stories. Walk your own Camino, bro. Mark's gospel says, doesn't give us a lot of details. It just says Jesus was there for 40 days, being tempted and being strengthened by God's angels. God provided I love God providing little babies to remind us. <laughs> Sweetness of life. 40 days is not a, in the wilderness, is not a thing that we would take on maybe on our own. It's not um, how anybody wants to live, but God uses it for the future. God used it in all those biblical narratives. God uses Lent as a 40-day period too. This is my last point, and I'll, and I'll end this sweet sermon. The wilderness is a powerful image in the scriptures, a place of struggle, hardship, testing, and uncertainty. And we all experience wilderness times in our lives. And I'm looking out today, and I know some of you are in that kind of time. You've been through that kind of time. You have a loved one who's in that kind of time. In the spiritual geography of the Bible, the wilderness is not a place where we live permanently. It's always a place we go through which we endure, which we learn from, but ultimately we don't stay there. In every story in the Bible, somebody goes into the wilderness and it's for a purpose. God has something to teach them or show them or help them with. Sometimes the main point of a wilderness wander is just to remember to trust God in everything. So this Lent, here are the questions I have for you. First, how can you put yourself into a position to encounter God? What's the shot you want to take? What's the step of faith in your interior, personal life? Second, remember to walk your own Camino, bro, to listen to what God has to say to you and to release your hold on everybody else's spiritual life. Third, those who follow Christ will come into, into wilderness times of testing, just like Jesus. And while we don't stay in those dry or barren places forever, we do seek to learn and listen as we go. So remember, God is with you. May it be so. Amen.